second down and goal from the five yard line. Ball in this near left hatch. Shotgun snap for Olivares. Rolling out to this near side of the field. Slings it off and it's complete near the sticks. Did he get in? Kellogg is saying he got in. He was covered over here by Gandier. Did he mm. get in? He'll be close, but nice tackle at the ankles there. As his knee went down, good job by Brandon Gandier to make the tackle or he's in for a touchdown. Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. Growing the Game with Ballsy brought to you by Pizza Huts in Saskatchewan and David Dubay and the Concord Group of Companies. By Riviere Ag Seeds in Radville. Thanks to Paul Riviere and his great family there out in the Radville area for supporting this podcast and giving back to the community. It's Riviere Ag Seeds in Radville. By Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina getting the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ, 306-502-5355, the number to call. By Mark Greshner Photography. Check out his excellent work at markgreshner.com. Trust him with your major moments in life to capture them the right way and even make them look better if he can make me look better he can make you look better and i know you're good looking as it is by face first medical aesthetics speaking of good looking you're uh, freshening up your body into this new 2021 but how about your face in a naturally looking way go see crescinda above gabos on dudney avenue in downtown regina by sas selects football building the gridiron stars of tomorrow Today. Time now for our Where Are They Now segment brought to you by Corey Zadorozniak out there, Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, it's Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. All right, my man, Eddie Johnson joining us. From, was it Denver, Colorado? Where are you in Colorado? I am uh, I am on the outskirts of Denver, Colorado, uh, right next to the Coors Light Factory, <laughs> keeping uh, close to the mother's milk, my friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that your favorite beer? It actually is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many how many beer, how many Coors Light can you drink while watching a football game on average? <laughs> well, you know, I I don't really keep track. Um <laughs> but, you know, some the summer concert festival series, you know, I can have a few of those ones that are like a forearm length. Yeah, are you missing concerts and live events like that, my friend? I think we all are, man. Yeah, weird times we're in. Yeah, no kidding. So, who's your favorite band? Like, if you're uh, if you're out in the slope snowboarding or something, you're listening to music. What are you listening to, or just chilling in the backyard? You know, I don't like to listen to music when I board. However, uh, I love the Black Keys. Um, and you know, if I'm listening to some country, I might like uh, anything from Stapleton to Sturgill Simpson to Brothers Osborne. So I kind of got a little array. So, Eddie Johnson, uh, you're a California guy. What are you doing living in, in Colorado? That's a great question. You know, I actually uh, used to come out here with my mom back in the 90s. And we used to go on ski trips. And we'd drive out. Always loved it. Always thought about maybe coming out one day. I remember when I was coming out of high school, I really wanted to go to the University of Colorado. That was like my thing. I was like, wow, that's campus is beautiful i love the mountains i love the you know the whole vibe and unfortunately they wanted me to walk on and i laughed and then you know went to junior college <laughs> so uh, but i've always want, kind of wanted to be out here and then work brought me out here in 2014 uh fixing hail damaged cars excuse me 2015 oh wow is that what you're still doing now uh doing that 
Yeah, so an automotive hail restoration. So when the storm comes in and, you know, it looks like a angry girlfriend, you know, took a ball-peen <laughs> hammer to your car, I'm your savior. Yeah, uh, I have a lot of guys in that in that type of business here in town, and they always say that they, they the term they use is pennies from heaven. Whenever it's hailing or something, it's like it's like money from heaven. They cha-ching to those guys in that industry. We like to call them sky diamonds. <laughs> Leave it to Eddie Johnson to say that. So, hey, hey, buddy, uh, what do you think of what's going on in your country right now? Very interesting times, my man. I, uh, <clears throat> I think I feel like a lot of people that you know. There's a lot of interesting things happening very quickly with whether it be censorship, whether it be manipulation of a real virus. It is real, and it can be deadly for some folks, but. I feel like there's definitely a political manipulation of it. Uh, I feel like we had an election that had a lot of a lot of things left to be questioned. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel that, you know, slighted by it, including myself. So we'll see how it plays out, my man. The scary- I'm just happy the- to get two-way member of the United States. Yeah, the scariest thing for me is uh, lately is that whether you're right or left, whether you're Trump or not, Trump is the censorship part. And not just censoring Donald Trump, but censoring anybody with kind of a right stance. It's almost like if you lean right right now, you got to go into the closet. That's what people want you to do anyway. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a great thing, though, because I think it's going to birth some great new, whether it be social media platforms, news platforms, that, you know, that they said that the guy who created the internet, Tim, I think Tim Berners-Lee, I want to say, he was an MIT professor. He's coming out apparently with another version, I guess, of the uh, of the internet. So I think there's going to be some great things that happen because of this. Mm-hmm. But it is scary whenever a country, especially one based off of freedom, freedom of speech, starts having censorship like this. So yeah, very now- unique time. It's, you're, it's dangerous for everybody. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, it is a very, very slippery slope. Yeah, down the line. Yeah, no, you're right, man. Hey, Eddie, uh, you're free spirit. Have you always been that way? How, do you develop that, or is that just something that you had? Uh, you know, I think it's always kind of something that I had. I, my parents were awesome. You know, they weren't together, but they were awesome, and they had very unique friends that were characters. And I think I was exposed to that, and at an early age, and you know, it kind of, I guess, shapes you as an adult, and I'm happy that that's the case. You know, I, I get bored with certain conversations, and, you know, certain people are more interesting and exciting to me, and, you know, that's more my, probably my upbringing is probably the biggest thing, so. Uh, Riders head coach Craig Dickinson is uh, my age, and uh, we're, I believe, both older than you, and he loves to snowboard. I have not snowboarded. Is, is it... um? Does there become an age when it's too when you're too old to do that type of activity, Eddie? I mean, I don't think so. You know, I tell you what, I went yesterday and I fell going through some trees and hit my head pretty good, mm. and my neck is extremely sore today. But besides that, you know, I don't think so. Yeah, I think as long as you stay on top of it and you take care of yourself, I don't see why not. I've never the one thing that I always said is, hey, I'm gonna play sports. I'll go snowboarding. I'll have a good time. I'm just not going to jump or hit the snowboard park. That'll keep me in trees. So maybe the snowboard park, you know, as they say, big fall hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more, the less, uh, 
less space between me and the ground, the better. You know what I mean? Eddie Johnson, we were talking cars there. Do you got a dream car? What's your What's Eddie Johnson's dream car? Well, you know, coming up in high school, my first car was a 72 El Camino. Nice. And that was my first car. And it was between that or a 68 or 69 Dodge Charger. I'd say probably the Charger would be something special. I love all the old Mopar cars, so... Yeah, I love. I like the Chargers too. I like the. Uh, uh, I don't know what year it was, but I, I was a fan of the show Nash Bridges with Don Johnson, and he had that yellow Barracuda. I love that Barracuda. I mean, who doesn't love Don Johnson? <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly it. Good last name too. Uh, Eddie, anything about your football career you regret? Uh, you know, I'd have to go back. Probably uh, towards my rookie year, trying to listen to too many people and just not doing what I did best. And I think it kind of messed with some of the things that I had naturally going on. Mm-hmm. And then I think I kind of got that back when I came up to Canada. Um, but I would say probably just thinking that because the coach coaches in the NFL, that they must know everything. And my team had a bunch of coaches that were hired basically out of nepotism because the owner of the, of the team was trying to sell the franchise. So he was looking for a discount. So I think just being a little too open to some things and not just sticking with what you know. And I think that's probably the biggest regret that I have. But it also just not telling people where to stick it. Yeah. But as I got older, it became more easier. Yeah. Um, John Ryan, a friend of mine, the Riders' current putter, former Seahawks punter, said he, he was shocked about how little special teams coaches actually know about special teams. Did you find that? Yeah, I mean, I might have came across like two or three guys in my entire tenure that kind of knew what they were talking about. But at the end of the day, it's unless they played or punted or kicked, it's not the same. But a lot of those guys just take whatever job's open, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and then you got to think too, like in <clears throat> some situations, you know, those coaches, depending on what their what their career's been like, you know, they're making the most money they've probably ever made as a coach. And that's important, you know. Seeing that that town is important. So things aren't going right. It's not like they're gonna tune you up and fix you. Sometimes it's easier just to throw you on the bus. Yeah, for sure. Hey, get, hey so. Eddie, uh, what what do you think about when you think about uh, Regina and Saskatchewan and the football fans here? Yeah, you know, it just has such a special place in my heart. I had such a good time there, and uh, yeah, the team was great, the town was great, and it was just a nice ending to a football career that for a few years there was a little bit rough. So that was kind of nice. I enjoyed that a lot. Do you wish you could have, you know, in hindsight, I mean, you make the money in the NFL. You don't make mo- that type of money in the CFL, but everybody says when they come to Saskatchewan, for the most part, they wish they could have played here longer. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I do, you know, and I think that, you know, what I didn't realize my last year was, well, there's one, a couple of things. One, I was American, and we lost so many Canadians going into my second year. Uh, it just kind of felt like they were looking for space, you know, for, for the roster. But, the you know, I tore my labrum that year, and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I probably would have kept playing longer had I not had that kind of injury, just because I enjoyed my time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2010, uh, you're uh, a part of a great cup uh, team. And I, I think that week, uh, Eddie, Eddie, uh, Johnson was, uh, 
He was a star. In fact, that year you were a star. Everybody loved the mustache. They loved your uh, your interview style. I think people were calling you a Slick Eddie, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some guys calling me Slick Eddie. Yeah, shout out to Trent and Dean and those guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I'm not sure where it came from, but I'll take it. Hey, did, did you uh, did you know... Did you really have a sense of the tradition and what you were playing for when you were playing for a Grey Cup? I mean, as a kid in America, you know what the Super Bowl is all about, but you probably didn't know what the CFL or really had a, maybe an appreciation of what the Grey Cup was all about, or, or did you? You know, I had no idea, you know, and because uh, we just don't get the same. They're starting to televise those games down here, but I really had no idea. And so for me, it just was an awesome experience because – you know, I even in college, we, we had a good team, and we just didn't go into the playoffs. We got we got the odd man out for the draw. And playing in, the, in that competitive environment where things are on the line, they're at stake, was nice. You know, it had been a long time since I'd had that. I think maybe my sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. Eddie, um, harder or easier to punt in the CFL as opposed to the NFL? Man, you know, I would say it's probably harder. Because I remember getting up there, you know, it's so funny because I was bartending in, in Laguna and I was just like, you know, I kind of knew that I had some medical stuff coming up and I was like, I need to get a job so I can get some medical insurance, which is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Because I knew I'd, I was having some heart stuff where I need to have like a heart procedure done. And so I knew that before 2010. Wow. And actually, yeah, I ended up actually getting it done after the 2011 season, but I uh, I knew that, so I remember getting up there, and uh, I remember the first couple times I was punting, I was like, okay, so you need me to put it in between the hash and the sideline, but if I hit it out of bounds, it's a 15-yard penalty. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and then you got to hit more the line, and then you get this whole wide field, and if that dude catches it on the run, good luck, you know? Yeah. So. So that was interesting, and then also the single, and then also the coffin corner, which is kind of like the old-school 80s punting. And uh, I felt it to be fun. You know, you get, you get more touches in the football. You know, you're playing, especially if you're kicking off, you're, you're playing a lot during the game, which is great. And uh, I felt like you had to be more accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't no. hang it up too far if you get a, you know, I forget the uh, penalty they would get for no getting yards. too close. To no you. yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't exactly hang the ball up but you're going to have to really be accurate and finesse with it, which was cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I love the return game. I think it's going away in the NFL. It's almost the, the kickoff's useless almost, isn't it? I know. They might as well give everybody a bunch of panties and let them run around out there. They're just soft in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel that too. And you know, but I do think one of the great rule changes is moving that extra point back so it's like a 30-some oh, yard great. kick. I think that's great. Oh, it's great. It's cost a bunch of games. Yeah, it, it really has. Here's a question for you. Why don't they do – I watched that uh, that college game there the other day, Alabama and Ohio State, and I've said this for a couple of years. Why don't we're, – we're getting these guys ready for the next level at, at every position, but the kicker, they don't move the extra point back there. Why is it still like the old days? Well, let me tell you right now about college football. Those, those kickers on those really good teams, they hardly ever play. I mean, those coaches usually – shout out to Jeff Banks, my old punting coach at Idaho State, who is the special teams coach at Alabama, who coaches great guys. But besides that, you look at most of those big schools, they're so used to scoring 55 points a game 
that whenever they got a kicker field goal in a big game, they don't usually want to give that scholarship to a kicker. So the guy that comes on the field is usually a walk-on, and anything over 40 is a toss-up. So, you know, those big games, the, the good talent I feel like comes out of the games that are more competitive. So, so what you're telling me then, like, like some of these guys, like when they come to the NFL, are they, would they be um, like, you know, they're not from the Alabamas where they barely use the kickers. It would it be lower rung schools. Like, because how do we develop the kicking game? Yeah. Well, it just depends. You know, like if, if they're really good and they're getting a shot to play, I just think if you're a punter, you know, if you're on a really good team and you got a big leg, you're not going to showcase that if you're pooch punting your entire senior year. Yeah. You might get a shot combine, but in uh, same with a kicker, where if you're not getting a lot of attempts, you kind of want to be in that sweet spot, you know, to get the experience and show your stuff. But it's getting harder and harder to make it as a kicker and punter, anyways, because there's no. I think with the roster changes a couple years ago, they're not getting the same. You know, game time, you kind of have to make it and get drafted or you know. Hey, thanks for this. I appreciate it. We'll stay in touch. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, Ballsy, always. Take care. Well, of course, the great broadcaster Larry King passing away at the age of 87 due to complications from COVID-19. And, I mean, the guy was a legend, no doubt about it. Of course, he was an amazing interviewer. But since everyone is talking about that, I wanted to point out something that I learned from Larry King that had nothing to do with interviewing somebody. Larry's life was messed up. He wasn't healthy. He was married eight times. Eight times. Let that sink in. Now, I'm going through a divorce myself. One divorce is traumatic. Two is worse. Anything more than that is just messed up, honestly. But can you even come close to understanding eight times? That meant you were either screwed over or heartbroken or broke someone's heart, lost time, lost income, lost reputation, lost your home, etc., etc., etc. But you wanted love enough that you did it over and 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 over again. Here's the lesson. His life might have been a mess, but watching Larry King, you never knew it. He was about the interview, about his job, about his industry, and always about doing a great job. Larry showed us to leave our problems at home. Now, I don't know what Larry was like to work with, obviously, and maybe he was a giant pain in the ass. But to his audience, he was a solid, fatherly, wise, professional, brilliant, and talented figure. Never fussy, bitchy, moody, a bully, or a diva. We all know someone who can't help bring their crap to work so everyone else can suffer right along with them. So just a reminder, follow Larry King's lead and don't. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.